0: With a 2-0 loss Sunday night in Game 6, the Predators' season is over, and
1: the Penguins are now back-to-back winners of the Stanley Cup stings right now you know it's a tough feeling and you know being in that locker room you know seeing your teammates like that a lot of tears a lot of emotion and there should be i mean we all care and and we wanted to obviously have an opportunity to play for for the cup in game seven in their building and it just didn't happen for us
0: that's pk Subban after the loss which ends an exciting season and postseason run welcome to this final edition of the tennessee and special coverage of the stanley cup in the predators podcast i'm forrest goodman Coming up, beat writer Adam Vingan tells us what went wrong in that 2-0 loss. Columnist Joe Rexrode explains how this loss in this series will sting for a while. And USA Today's Kevin Allen will discuss how the Pens' experience may have tipped things in their
1: favor in the series. But first... You know, you dream about lifting the Stanley Cup as, uh, as a young kid, and, and, you know, the dreams happen probably a million times for most of us. And... Um, You know, being that close, being, you know, two games away and, you know, 120 minutes away from lifting uh, the Stanley Cup and it sucks, you know, but, uh, you know, for us, we did so many things well and this is such a tremendous run uh, for our team and we have such a young team. I think we gained a ton of experience, you know, from this run. P.K. Subban in the
0: locker room Sunday night. Ryan Ellis says in time he can reflect on all of the great things that
1: happened. 16th seed. We're supposed to be out in the first round. Everyone wrote us off. And this group believed in ourselves all the, the entire playoffs, no matter who we were playing. And, um... If we didn't prove a lot to the people outside this room, I think we, we learned a lot about each other and about ourselves and what we're capable of. So next year, we, we expect a lot from this group, and um, it's it was a great ride.
0: And something from Game 6, which will leave Preds fans talking for some time, is a disallowed goal coming in the second period in a scoreless contest. An inadvertent whistle stopped action before the score could count. Team captain Mike Fisher in the post game.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah, it's tough, but that's sports. I mean, there's human error in every sport, and um, you know, that's that's the way it goes sometimes, and we can't control that, unfortunately. And I know it's, uh, you know, that that happens, and I'm sure
3: the
2: ref feels bad about it. And but what do you do? And um, it wasn't on purpose.
0: Adam Vingan covers the Predators for the Tennessean. Adam, what impact did that disallowed goal have on what was at that moment a scoreless contest?
4: Well, it's it's going to be a moment that will certainly endure and, and franchise infamy, uh, at least until they find a way to win a Stanley Cup and get over it. Um, you know, the Predators and the Penguins played an incredible game last night. It was back and forth the entire time. It's exactly what you wanted out of a game like that with a potential Stanley Cup on the line, or or a winner take all game seven coming on Wednesday, depending on the outcome. I mean, that was a clear goal. The referee Kevin Pollack errantly blew his whistle because he lost sight of the puck, and and Colton Sissons was was robbed of a of a sure goal, which was not the first time that he had a. Uh, A close call. He shortly uh, after got stopped on a breakaway. He hit the post in the third period. Um, But the Predators played a good game after that. It wasn't as though you saw that and the game immediately fell into the Penguins' hands. Um, It was going to take a, for lack of a better term, crappy goal to win that game last night just because of how good each goaltender was playing. And Predators fans for six seasons saw Patrick Hornquist score goals like that. Uh, just dirty in your face, right in front of the net, goals, and, and that's why he's been successful in the NHL, and and that's why the Penguins won the Stanley Cup for the second consecutive season. So, it's it's going to be hard for people to sort of uh, accept what happened last night. Um, but I, the way I look at it is, is that. Now, this isn't going to be a mere footnote in NHL history or even in franchise history. This is going to be probably the first step toward eventual glory for this franchise because they are positioned to challenge for a Stanley Cup for years to come.
0: Well, and that's a, a key thing is what will define you as a franchise. I believe after watching this and now listening to the locker room and it just seems like the team itself is like, look, that one moment will not define us. It's been our run of where we came into the postseason and where we finished it, and what expectations were by media, fans, uh, people who know the NHL, and where we finished. And that's what they're trying to build on.
4: Exactly. Because when you think about it this way, I mean, I've said this many times before um, expectations are really what you make of them. Uh, If you base your expectations off of what we thought this team would be when the season started, they met expectations. They didn't win the Stanley Cup, but they were two wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. If you base your expectations on how they got to this point through the regular season, they exceeded expectations because they were the eighth seed in the West, the 16th seed overall. and, And they beat three of the NHL's top 10 teams, Chicago, St. Louis, and Anaheim, on the way to stumbling ultimately against the defending Stanley Cup champions. So I, I think this franchise should be very proud of itself. Um, this, this city, this franchise, this team captivated the NHL. Um, and, and those of us who live here and experience it are lucky to see it in such a way. I remember just seeing aerial shots of Nashville last, yeah, last night. You know, you, you could probably not find an inch of space on Broadway and, and the streets spilling out around Bridgestone Arena. I mean, this city came to really, really care about this team. And it, it, it's and I think that's going to have such a dramatic effect on them in the future is that with hockey in this city, people there will people will always care. But, you know, you still have to fight the perception that we're in the south. It's a football crazed town. It's a football crazed region. And, and when. When the SEC football is going on and the NFL is going on, that people are going to have their attention elsewhere. I don't think that's what's going to happen anymore. I think there are going to be a lot more people invested in the Nashville Predators all season long now because of what they just did.
0: Well, and Adam, let's be honest too. It's because of that investment that people have made. Even those who maybe had never watched hockey before, but got caught up in the excitement and then found out they like this team, they like this sport. That's what made Sunday night even a little more disappointing. Was having that win taken out of your sails so suddenly because you are, as you just mentioned, two games away from winning the cup.
4: Yeah, exactly. It's it's hard. It's it's going to be hard to reconcile. You're gonna. You're going to wake up this morning, I'm sure, if you're listening to this as a Predators fan, you're going to be mad. You're going to be sad. You're going to be disappointed. And you know what? You should be because your team came oh so close to doing something that they had never done before. Um, And the way I always see it is that the, you know, the way I'd like to describe it is that the National Predators have thumbed their nose at convention all postseason long. They weren't supposed to beat the Chicago Blackhawks and they swept them. They probably, you know, they shouldn't have, Pushed the Pittsburgh Penguins to six games, and they did. I mean, ultimately, if you look back at the series, I know it was could have, would have should up. The Nashville Predators could have easily won this playoff series in five or six games, because they were the better team in game one and two. Uh, they, you know, the only game in this series that you could say the Penguins were decidedly the better team was in game five when they won six nothing. Um, you know, the Predators should be proud just because of what they were able to do, shorthanded. Without Ryan Johansson, without Kevin Fiala, with a, with players that sprung out of nowhere to, to a to national audience, Pontus Auberg, Frederick Roudreau, Colton Sissons, and, and they almost de- they almost de- defeated the the a glamour franchise in the NHL. And and this is not going to provide any solace for people today. And the Predators certainly are not ready to put this into perspective. They're going to need some time. To realize this but I think once that set once they are able to accept what happened they'll realize that they have a group within that locker room that is going to be back in this position sooner rather than later and the experience that they have now will help fuel them to hopefully in their future win the Stanley Cup
0: one more thing Adam now that we move to the offseason what questions are ahead for the Preds before they drop the puck on 2017 2018
4: Well, in less than two weeks, the NHL will have its expansion draft uh, where the Vegas Golden Knights will formulate their roster so the Predators are going to lose one player uh, from their team, as is every team in the NHL. The other 29 teams, uh, uh, 30 total, uh, excluding Vegas. Um, So there will be a lot of discussion and analysis on that, which I I will be prepared to do. The NHL entry draft is is about two weeks away as well. Free agency is around the corner on July 1st. So the Predators roster is going to look a little bit different over the next couple of weeks. Some players aren't going to come back. Some players are going to get contract extensions. The player is going to be lost to Vegas. Uh, You know, new players are going to enter the organization as prospects. There's a lot lot that's going to happen. The Predators offseason is going to be incredibly short. I mean, it's June 12th as we're reporting this, and three months training camp starts. Uh, that's, there is going to be very little time for these guys to, to rest and relax, and they'll come back in September, and they'll be ready to challenge for another cup.
0: Read more from Adam Vingan at Tennessean.com. All you had to do was just glance around Bridgestone Arena inside or out Sunday, and the disappointment was obvious with Preds fans. Joe Rexrode wrote about that in the Tennessee, and he joins me now. Joe, you said later we'll reflect on a fun season, but right now it just ends painfully.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think this one's going to leave a mark, uh, not just the disallowed goal, but also after all those great chances for both teams, all that tension. Uh, I thought the second period alone was like its own game. So many um, ups and downs for both teams. After all that, the winning goal is this weird bounce off the net. It's, it's Patrick Hornquist, who of course you traded to mm-hmm. get James Neal a few years ago. I mean, the whole thing is just, it's a, it's a pretty bitter pill for the Predators. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think eventually, of course, you, you're going to look back if you're a part of the Predators or a Predators fan, and, and this is just going to be uh, a bunch of incredible memories, but the way it ended, I, I can't think of too many, you know, worse ways to
0: lose. And on top of that, then just doing it on home ice where the Penguins had their moment to celebrate. They now went back to back and that even adds to the sting of the entire evening.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, of course, you know, the Predators were really trying to you know, at least extend this to seven and and give their fans, you know, one more, one more happy ending, um, in a place that had a ton of them this postseason. Instead, said they'd have to watch, you know, public family number one, Sidney Crosby, uh, the first one lifting the, uh, Stanley Cup over his head. So of course they, they let, uh, the Penguins and Gary Beckman hear about it after the game. So <laughs> they did, yeah, they, they, they got in there, uh, you know, they get in, uh, their, uh, their say there at the end, but, uh, but yeah, all around, um, I mean, it's pretty amazing. to think with Pittsburgh too, the fact that, uh, and I know it's you know, of course, different era going to early '90s. That's five cups and all of them won on the uh, you know opponents' ice, which is, is interesting. But uh, you know, it, it's just you know the way the Predators played uh, last night. I, I think they did a lot of things that normally win you a game. I mean, alone has. You know, three primo opportunities. One, of course, is against our goal, but then he has a breakaway and he has another great shot in the slot on a PK human pass. You know, hits the post. I mean, it just uh, it just wasn't their night. I mean, there are a lot of breaks that uh, that weren't the other way.
0: Joe, where does this head next for the Preds? They've seen a lot of fans come on board. They've seen fandom grow because of this postseason run, which has just built incredible excitement around the region. How do you retain those fans and then capitalize it where this kind of momentum for a fan base can continue for the franchise?
2: Yeah, well, I think there's going to be just a ton of excitement during the next year. Um, I think that they have the team to to back that up. You know, I think the big question moving forward is going to be goaltending. I think there are a lot of things in place. Actually, a lot of things this postseason created in terms of depth in in their their forward range. I mean, people... Such as Pontus Albert. Pontus Albert is going to be a key player next year. I mean, it's not a fluke. Game after game, you can see how he is kind of coming to his own. Colton Sissons, key player. Um, you know, Frederick Gaudreau, I think now is is, a, is someone who's playing for this team next year. And we had no idea if he'd ever do that once when, when the regular season ended. I mean, he'd mostly been in Milwaukee. So uh, I think they have a lot of things in place. They have the best defensive core in the NHL. They're young. They're all signed. They're going to find Ryan Johansson and Victor Arlington. I think that, you know, I they're going to lose a play in the space draft, that. I guess it's a Um, But, you know, we'll see who they uh, protect. That'll be a few days from now. Uh, but the goaltending is a thing. In Peck Arena, it will be 35 a year from now. It's it's rare for goaltenders to be top shelf at that age. And I think he knows that better than anyone. And I think that's why he took this harder than anyone last night. So. U.C. Saros is a promising goalie, but there's a transition ahead, and I just don't know it will happen. If they get, you know, top goaltending, that's a a team next year that can make another run like this.
0: Joe, in your coverage of these six games, when it all started, especially going back to Game Three when the series came to Nashville, and now that it ends in Nashville, those three games with how you've seen it affect that city, uh, Middle Tennessee, the the region, if you will. Did it live up to expectations, or did it even exceed what you were expecting this series to bring to the city?
2: Yeah, it exceeded it. And I knew that uh, you had more people outside, and, of course, knew these events, uh, especially you got to six. It you know, was going to be quite a convergence of different things. And you know, I think everything was handled extremely well by the city and think the fans with a few very uh, rare exceptions, you know, behaved themselves extremely well. And um, just the whole scene was, it was something else. To see it, uh, you know, even on TV, the shots, the aerial shots, I mean, uh, it was uh, pretty amazing. Uh, So, uh, you know, the building, too, I mean, it, it actually got better and better. And, again, I don't think it's possible to get much better than it was during this series, people staying the entire game. Every time out was just, you know, gear splitting. It was it was people in there waving their towels and doing nothing. Mean, it, was, it was really cool. I mean, I know some hockey traditionalists may not like everything Nashville uh, does, but uh, I think mean, this is great for hockey, I think.
0: Joe Rexroad with the Tennessean and Tennessean.com. With Sunday night's win, the Pens have won back to back Stanley Cups in the NHL salary cap era, the first team to do that. They also have captured three cups now since 2009 and complete their fourth trip to the finals since 2008. Kevin Allen is with USA Today. And Kevin, did playing for and winning it all just a year ago work in favor of the Pens?
3: there's no question i mean i i think especially that it was so fresh in their minds uh it was just a year ago when, uh, uh, you know, they won a Stanley Cup championship. And, uh, you know, basically, I think they followed this, the same path. I think at the end, you know, they evaluated what the Predators were doing to them and uh, sort of waded uh, through the uh, what can we do about it and uh, sort of figured it out. They used, uh, you know, sort of their masters in winning to, uh, you know, pull out the, the final two games that they really needed, winning one at home and then, you know, getting a big win, you know, in Nashville where the Predators had played so well and, and played well in game six, but just couldn't figure out a way to, to knock down the, the Penguins. I, I think if you're a Nashville fan today, you you know you don't like that uh, NHL rule of losing side of the puck, which has been in place forever and a day. But uh, when it costs your team the way it costs the Predators uh, uh, in game six, uh, you can understand why they'd sure. be frustrated. It, it could it could have changed the game. You get that first goal and suddenly, uh, you know now the, the Penguins have to push.
0: I think if you look back in games one and two, where Nashville, Just simply outplayed Pittsburgh, but the Pens found ways to win. That kind of set the tone of what to expect, I think, throughout this run for the cup.
3: Yeah, and what you know, we shouldn't diminish the uh, you know the talent advantage that the Penguins had up front. Uh, On defense, uh, the Predators were the better team, and certainly they were not uh, outclassed in in net. But up front, uh, you know, the Penguins uh, having uh, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Phil Kessel and the experienced Chris Kunitz and the hot rookie Jake, Cutts, all of that played a The Predators didn't have the uh, the firepower to match up uh, with the Penguins in that regard. And I think that was a factor as well. They had a lot of different players with the ability to step up and score that big goal where, you know, I think the Predators were relying, uh, you know, on, on Philip Forsberg and you know, too few guys. Like, they certainly got some timely goals, but I don't think they got enough of
0: them. Well, and when you also look at, as you said, experience, arguably the best player in the NHL in Sidney Crosby, the leadership that they have. And, and I do want to focus a little bit on Crosby because I thought maybe at one point that the whole Crosby-Suban back and forth in this series was entertaining. And a lot of people thought, well, maybe it got in his head. And I was always cautious of that because experienced players, that's just part of the game. They don't let other guys get in their head, right?
3: Like I, I guarantee you, having known Sid Crosby since he was uh, you know, a teenager, that didn't bother him in the least. That, uh, you know, he was annoyed maybe that he had to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> but, what, but what was going on on the ice is just something that Crosby's able to, to push aside. In fact, Mike Sullivan has sort of addressed Crosby's focus in the post-game press conference when he just talked about that he'd never seen any player who has... Any athlete who has the focus to Crosby has the ability to sort of channel everything he has into uh, to winning, which is what he's all about. And he kind of set a tone in, in that regard. And I think, uh, especially I thought in, uh, you know, in game five, when, you know, he came out with that great start. And it was almost if he was sending a message to both teams and saying, hey, you know, I'm the guy that can uh, kind of set the tone of this series and I'm going to do it. And he, he did do it. And I thought the Penguins were a different team after that. He rang one off that post in 36 seconds into game
0: five. Kevin, with your fam- familiarity, Familiarity and your coverage of the league, the NHL. Where does this penguin team stand right now winning back to back the success they've had in recent years where does this team stand do you think from a historical perspective
3: well I'm ready to call it a
0: dynasty and you know it's <laughs> a
3: little difficult to uh, because they, you know there's no defined length of a dynasty but over the last 10 years they've been in the Stanley Cup final you know four times in the salary cap era and nobody else has done that they won three of them the Blackhawks have done that um, you know it's phenomenal they won 90 playoff games in the last decade and you know that's three rounds worth you know that's an average of nine uh, wins uh, per playoff so they've been impressive and I I think we're you know because of the presence of two world-class players like uh, Crosby and Malkin. And, and you know, what's, what's really impressive about this Penguins team is they lost Chris Latang, and they were able to still win. And Latang is a world-class player as well. I mean, it would be like uh, the Predators losing, uh, you know, Roman Yossi. Uh, you know, Latang is their Roman Yossi. And, you know, for them to do that without that, but they have a lot of world-class players that because of that, I think this uh, team will go down in history as, uh, you know, one of the best, uh, you know, franchises uh, uh, that ever played the game.
0: That's Kevin Allen from USA Today. Before we wrap up this edition of coverage of the Stanley Cup with the Predators podcast, let's close with PK Subban, who had this advice for his team after
1: the loss. I think for our team, we gotta we gotta embrace the feeling right now and, and accept it and let it sink in because uh, ultimately that's what's gonna put us back here again next year and, and um, put us in a position to win a Stanley Cup.
0: And with that, we close our special coverage on the Predators Podcast. My thanks to Adam Vingen, Joe Rexroad, and Kevin Allen for joining me each morning after a game to recap, offer analysis, and preview the next game. And as Adam mentioned earlier, it's a short and busy off season for the Predators, so make sure you keep up with all of it at Tennessean.com. I'm Forrest Goodman. Thank you for listening. So long, everybody.